Okay, we ready to try this? By the way, uh, if someone comes walking into my hotel room, it's because yeah. my wife has joined me. Oh my goodness, you guys. It's her birthday today and I forgot to say happy birthday this morning because I was setting oh. up for the pod. Oh, uh, no. Seven in the morning. You got a lot of time still. No. And she and she went down to get us coffee. I was like all busy and was like, oh, I could really use a coffee. <laughs> and she went down to get coffee. I didn't even say happy birthday. Ah. Uh. Wait, okay, when she comes in, I got no choice but to wish her a happy birthday. So it might be mid-podcast. Sorry if that's awkward. Uh, not okay. as awkward as you not doing it on her birthday. Yeah, it's going to be that's, tonight. That's, that's a good good point by you, Johnny. That's an all-timer. Hello from Las Vegas, California, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition, LeBron. You may want to start that again. Hang on. Where's Las Vegas again? What What state is Las Vegas in? Not California. Did I say California? You're in Las Vegas. Hey, welcome in to Las Vegas, Nevada, and another edition of Got Your Back National. Pierre LeBron, Ryan Rashog, (sighs) happy to be joined mercifully by Mike Johnson as we get going in round two, off and running with the Leafs. And uh, the Panthers last night as well. Seattle keeps it going. Got your back. Proudly brought to you by... Go ahead. Cross Country oh, okay. Canada Supplies and Rentals. My goodness. Honestly, I didn't even have a late night in the casinos or anything. I got no excuse uh-huh. for that. It's that time uh-huh. of year, fellas, where you don't even know where you are. That's kind or of what where day I'm it is. right now. Or what day it is. Brought to you by Cross Country Canada supplies and rentals they provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the canadian construction industry but what sets them apart is their get or done attitude the core value of their company they've got it proudly displayed on the walls at each of their branches and every one of the staff members lives by that get or done formula to ensure they never let the customer down we're very proud to have uh, cross country canada as title sponsors here on the podcast <laughs> thanks johnny Thanks for having my back this morning, man. <laughs> that's your, that yeah. When we do a little profile on the Got Your Back segment, and I hope you, I hope uh, you say me because <laughs> clearly uh, we're off to a rolling start here. Listen, Vegas will do that to you, Pierre. We know we spent some time there. Sometimes, you know, the, the morning after, it's early there. It's much earlier than for Pierre and I. We can appreciate you getting up early and sometimes a little groggy morning after. Yeah, definitely. That's- but that's not the thing. That's not what happened. I, I don't even have an well, excuse for that. Uh, you know, well, don't worry about it, buddy. And I, I had no story. idea I said it. I had no idea. I would have just kept rolling right through had you not. To, to your defense, it not only is it hard to know where you are in most playoff days. Yeah. But the NHL keeps changing the playoff schedule. So really, What's it's up tough with to that? follow. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, guys. Pause, pause the entire podcast. Uh, Randine just walked in. I will not be putting okay. her on camera. Randine, happy birthday. I am so sorry. That was so <laughs> offside of me this morning. I love you. MJ happy and I birthday. are looking away. MJ and I are looking away right now. <laughs> Pierre and MJ both say happy so, birthday to you as well. Happy birthday, Randine. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Randine. Good happy woman birthday. to put up with this. <laughs> yeah, good woman to put up with this. Hey, that's enough out of you. Anyway, I'm sorry. Happy birthday. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Not my finest moment on the podcast today, guys. Definitely not my finest moment. I guess Vegas. Vegas will do that to you. Um, so 
let's get to the breakdown. Uh, and that's going to be brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear because we got some craziness that happened last night to talk about. Leafs, uh, Kraken. Uh, Kuma Outdoor Gear has got a wide range of gear to fit all your needs from tents and sleeping bags to travel games and pet products, drinkware. And they're really fired up about their new switchback heated chair, the first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. It's got dual heat zones. I wish I could have brought it to Vegas with me. I thought about packing it. Uh, Kuma Outdoor Gear for all your outdoor needs. Happy to have my sponsors. Uh, okay, guys. You know, I normally wouldn't start with, uh, you know, Seattle uh, necessarily, Seattle-Dallas. But a guy that was 38 years old last night, absolutely. I mean, the performance from Joe Pavelski was unreal. It, like, for him to be doing that in that game to open a series, coming back, like Pierre, you know this guy well. You've covered him many, many, many times. I can only imagine what you were thinking watching that game. Man, he's uh, he, he is the uh, exception to the now commonly held uh, uh, rule by most front offices: don't don't invest money in anyone north of thirty years old. This guy's unreal at what he's doing at his age. And you think about when he left San Jose, to be quite honest, it was overturned. I mean, I mean, the Sharks were uncomfortable with adding that third year in his contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's signed a couple of extensions since then in Dallas and, and just continues to produce. And it's not just what, he, what he's done in the playoffs for them, what he's done in the regular season, but also his impact on the development of, of Jason Robertson. Uh, I've talked to Jason Robertson about that and what Pavelski's meant to him. Uh, Joe Pavelski has been one of the great UFA signings of the last half decade as far as helping transform a franchise. And I was cheering for number five. I usually don't cheer. I don't care who wins hmm. games. But uh, a fifth goal in a game in overtime? Like, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been something. That would have been some historical stuff. So first off, I'm glad he was playing because when he went down and the way he went down, Ooh. I was kind of like hoping he would not play again. Not because right. I don't want him to, because I just want him to be safe, because he was right out of it when he got knocked yeah, out after yeah. that hit from Matt Dumba. So glad to see him back, cleared, and obviously ready to play. What I what what delights me about watching Joe Pavelski is that even at this age, but really at any age, he's never been a great skater. Like he he's mm-hmm. not the fastest guy. And in a game that is built on speed, he finds a way to get to all the spots he's got to get to first without being the fastest. And I, and I love how he just kind of manages the offensive part of the game with his brain and, of course, his hands. Everyone knows Pierce watched him for a decade in San Jose, all those playoff runs. Before every pregame skate, who's out there 15 minutes before the rest yeah. of the team, every single day, no matter what, if he's taking the optional or not, he's out there for 15 minutes doing exactly what he did last night for two of those goals. Tip, 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 tip. He's got his whole routine. And then he might do that for 15 minutes, stuff a whole bunch in tight to the net, and then skate off the ice. Like I don't even practice with the rest of the team. I just do what I know. It's crazy. I know what I know. I need to do, and he and he does it as well as you know. Really, anyone's done it in the last fifteen years. So you know, just the the way he goes about being as good as he's been, I I have an appreciation for. And, and you may remember Ryan when we had Robertson on on Got Your Back. Um, you know, he was explaining to us that one of the great things that he likes about Joe Pavelski would not have been something that the three of us would have ever come up with. I mean, obviously, redirection, as MJ said, is what he's really known for. Robertson talked about he can't believe how well Pavelski can get the puck out of their zone and transition at the sure. right spot every single time. And there they go. Yeah. There they go. There they go. 
I could watch Dallas Stars a million times and not pick up on that, honest to goodness. Like, it, yeah. But that's for a guy like Robertson, he appreciates the fact that here we go as a line. And he says Pavelski is unbelievable along the walls in their own zone that way. Yeah. John, it's, another, it's another part of his great stick. Like, you know, what he is like yeah. elite, elite, world-class, Hall of Fame level is with his stick. We think about it tipping, but another aspect of that is the ability to pull pucks mm-hmm. comfortably off. The Sedins were also world-class. At, you know, pucks that are along the rim, they pull them off, they handle it clean, doesn't get the extra bounce, doesn't take an extra second, and it really helps facilitate the next play that they're trying to make. So, yeah, awesome stuff in your right, Pierre. Like, we don't – I have no rooting interest in Dallas and Seattle. makes no difference to me. I was in studio last night begging for Pavelski. He had one yeah. look in the in the overtime to end it. It would have yeah. – you know, a crazy story would have been, but to get a fifth on a winner would have been mm. um, even better. But Seattle just, you know, keeps on Seattling. Yanni Gord with the OT winner. 11 <laughs> players with a point in that game. So they score five goals. Only one player ends up with two points. That was Justin Schultz. They got 19 five-on-five goals in the playoffs. They're just so well-rounded in the way they spread it all out. Uh, That's just, I mean, they just took out the defending champs and continued to roll right along into the next round, Pierre. Like they're, and at the start of these playoffs, I mean, we were talking about which team would you rather have in the first round and Seattle felt like the soft spot. And here they are just, just grinding with this consistency through their lineup. And and to be fair, I didn't I didn't doubt their team game that much. They're, I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, they're a tough team to play against. What I doubted, quite frankly, is the goaltending. I mean, Philip Grubauer has not really been that good since he signed in Seattle. And I just mm-hmm. one of the reasons I thought Colorado would smoke uh, the Kraken is really that reason. <laughs> and and he has been good in these playoffs. He he's been this is the best he's looked since he signed with the Kraken. Good for him because you always want your goalie to show up for the playoffs. But he he's been a difference maker and. You know, he wasn't the first star last night. He gave up four goals. But all this, if you look at the underlying numbers, all the Kraken have asked for since day one is their goalies to just make the saves you're supposed to make and we'll have a fighting chance. And and you're seeing that right now. Yeah. All right. It's amazing, though. If you don't watch Seattle, though, if you don't, and like maybe people don't as a second-year expansion team, Ryan, um, because they are so deep, they're able to put pressure like shift after shift, line after line. And it makes you be really clean. And when they have so many people that are comfortable trying to score, any little mistake, I mean, they had three goals in 52 seconds last night. And no Mm -hmm. egregious mistakes, but like just a combination of little ones. You lose your check, there goes Justin Schultz. You lose your face off, there goes Jordan Eberle. You try to step up, you miss it, there goes Bjorkstrand. Like it's, they because they are relentless in the pressure that they apply and they're quite efficient at finding different guys to score, it, it makes it feel like you're always under pressure, like you're always under duress to make good plays. Even a very good defensive team like Dallas, um, you know, they were exposed by making some mistakes, which is what Seattle forces you to do. You know, it reminds me of a conversation, the way that Seattle's built, and I don't know that any other team can build their team this way other than an expansion team. But I remember a conversation years ago, and it's one of those things that will never leave my brain with a GM, and I can't say who because we were just off the cuff, but he said we were talking, he was having a difficult contract negotiation with the top player, and he said, you know, the way the cap system works, he goes, he often wondered, he's not saying he wanted this for sure, but he often wondered if the more successful team isn't one, for cap reasons being a big part of it, 
not a team that you know a team that's full of second line mostly second yeah. line and a few third line players mm-hmm. as opposed to having three players making you know whatever amount of money and so on and it's not realistic because at the end of the day you win the lottery you end up with special players so but Seattle's had that opportunity because they're starting from scratch somewhat like Vegas looked in their expansion year too by the way and it's always stuck with me because I'm like well why would you not want a franchise player or two would but his point was that you kind of spread the money around your roster. Yep. You create sort of this culture on your team where, where, where there's so much meritocracy. And you got good players. Second-line players aren't bad players. Now, again, Matty Beniers is going to be a star. Let's not get ourselves. But right now, Seattle's in this place where there's so much meritocracy in their lineup and so much depth. Okay, they can't match maybe with the be- some of the best lines in the NHL. But, boy, by the time you, you do the rotation through four lines, they got you. Uh, and, and it's interesting to watch, and it, it won't last forever because Seattle is going to draft top end talent as they go on and keep changing their team like Vegas did. But right now, it's fun to watch. Five point nine million yeah. top of the food chain money wise, uh, and that's their goaltender Jordan Eberle right near the mm-hmm. top at five five. Jaden Schwartz five five. Bjorkstrand five four. Right, <laughs> second line players. Second line players. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Colorado won last year. They got first line players making big yep, time money. Course. Edmonton's a favorite. Toronto's a favorite. You know, you, you, you make the most of the hand you're dealt. But what I guess the point would be to me is that with, without a star, doesn't prohibit you from being excellent. Yeah. Like you don't have right. to have I guess that's the a better very way to best it. players. You can have a whole bunch of second-line players <clears throat> and be more than competitive. It's not going to be the mm-hmm. model, but it's working. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to watch it work. It'd be fun to see how far they can push it. Guys, let's switch over uh, to the Eastern Conference. Leafs and Panthers game one last night. 4-2 the final. Uh, Carter Verhage. So this player, <laughs> I mean, hmm. Mr. Clutch, whatever you want to call him, um, how underappreciated would he be around the National Hockey League? Three game-winning goals, one game-winning assist in overtime in this year's playoffs. He's earned points in four of Florida's five game-winning goals. Six of 11 career goals have been game winners uh, in the postseason. Uh, underappreciated around the league, I guess. I would think so, Pierre. Right? I mean, if you're to if you're to poll people who know the league, how many goals did Verhage score this year? Yeah. How many people would say above forty? Forty-two. Not many. Not many. I think. Yeah. Well, oh, he's a good player. He probably had what uh, 29, 31? Like, like that's the sentiment <laughs> about him because he is a good player, and that's a good number. But he's better than that. And the six of eleven goals in his career being game winners in the playoffs stands out to me. And I think. The way that he is being deployed in Florida right now, where he doesn't play with Bennett and Kachuk all the time, he's up there with Barkov, is pivotal because Barkov needs someone who can score on his line. Right. And the way Bennett, Huberto did, bro. The way Huberto did, exactly. Or what yeah. Duclair could do when he's fully healthy and, and, and playing his best. Because Bennett and Kachuk can get it done with whoever, Nick Cousins, respectfully, is whoever right now. But they needed another offensive option to balance things out. And Verhage is good enough to play in that role. And he has a wicked shot. Like, he absolutely yeah. has a world-class release. And we saw it on the breakaway. We saw it on the series winner against Boston. Um, yes, Montour, Kachuk are going to take up a lot of oxygen when it talks about Florida. But mm. uh, Verhage is, should not be lost in the shuffle, Pierre. No, and, and that goal came at a real crucial time in the game because the Leafs had tied it and were t- starting to tilt the ice pretty good. 
um, you know, on on Florida and that terrible plays by the Leaf best defensive pair mm-hmm. on that goal, both of them. Yeah, Bad on both and, of them. And you could tell Sheldon Keefe was a bit annoyed post game because he said in their preparation for the series, they actually talked about the one guy you can't have loose behind you is Carter Verhage. They actually mentioned him by name, mm-hmm. I guess, according to Keefe in their series prep. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's funny. I go back. You know, Tampa had Carter Verhage and. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, I think the, the, the Leafs drafted him, but my point is he ends up in Tampa because the Lightning are always looking for these guys. That, and the Lightning can't keep him because that was when they had so much depth and, and hadn't started their cup run yet where they couldn't even keep him. And he ends up in Florida, by the way, which is, which can you imagine him on the Lightning right now on a, on a bargain deal? Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, the, the headline for me being in the rink last night was that the Leafs had very little answer for uh, Bennett and Kachuk. Um, Sheldon Keith did adjust mid game and it was a good one. He ended up putting a lot of Matthews and Marner reunited on them because he started the game with the fourth line against Kachuk and, uh, Bennett and cousins. And that was not going well for the Leafs. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of time spent in the offensive zone for, for Florida during those, uh, uh, those shifts. Now, the other thing that was really notable for me is that, uh, it was there were some big hits in that game. Oh, it's not a normal loose thing. Huge that's not a hits. big that's not a big part of their game, but Morgan Riley steps up on Eric Stahl, Jake McCabe had a couple of big hits. Luke <coughs> Chen. Sorry, it was Luke Chen that that stepped up on Eric Stahl. Uh Morgan Riley though had a big hit. But it started really because of course Sam Bennett uh, takes that elbowing penalty, but huge hit. Matthew Kachuk in the morning said this about the Boston series. He said by game seven, he feels Boston's defensemen were less interested in recouping pucks in their zone when Sam Bennett was on the ice. Mm. <laughs> so it tells you the mindset of the Florida Panthers and what they're what they want to accomplish again here against the Leafs. But I thought the Leafs, from that perspective, said, Hey, we can take it and we can we can dish it out too. How about the hit Matthew Kachuk put on on Mark Giordano? And then someone Perfect. got to chuck back later. Oh, it was, it was just a great hit. And then Kick, someone got to chuck back was uh, Luke Shen, Shen later in the Luke game. Shen, Luke Shen got McK- got to chuck in the neutral zone. Yeah, well. it Good felt thing. like one oh, of those so games. Oh, there was Morgan Riley and Eric Call. Yeah, there sorry, were huge hits, yeah. and, and guys were taking numbers and getting them back later. And there was a real competitiveness yeah. physically in that game. What What did you make of that aspect of it, Johnny? Well, it's the second round of the playoffs. I mean, I think this is what the playoffs do: is that they take players who are physical. And they heighten that physicality because there's a more concerted effort to do it. Mm-hmm. But what's most important is that they take players who aren't physical, right? like myself, and it makes those guys hit everything too. That's the difference. It's not that Luke Shen is hitting. Luke Shen hits 350 times a year. No. It's, that, it's not that Sam Bennett's hitting. It's that Carter Verhage's hitting. It's that David Camp is hitting. It's like, you know, those kind of players that don't usually do it. Um, and I don't think... This hurts the Leafs. I don't know if it even helps the Panthers. Like I don't think the Leafs should be chasing a physical game. They don't have to prove anything. Um, they're tough. They're physical the same way the Panthers are. I do think, though, in in conjunction with the Bennett-Kachuk forecheck that the Leafs had trouble with, like the other side of that, I thought the Leafs defensemen didn't have a great game in their own end. Mm-hmm. Like I thought mm-hmm. they struggled with some of that physicality, controlling the cycle, McKay getting a minus stick and a three. pin working on your rotations, getting the puck out of your own end. Like there was a you know stretch in the second period where Toronto really pushed it. But for the, for the first and the third, you know, Florida had the puck a lot in their own end. And it was right. McCabe and Brody who were supposed to be the shutdown pair, and they got caved in. 
last night, yeah. caved in and scored against. Um, and then, you know, Sheldon keeps trying to find other solutions. Mark Giordano, God, you love Mark Giordano. You want to see him have success. He looked, he's looking at maybe a, like a, you know, a hair slow right now. A lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. around him where he's not quite as quick to it. Like, could Morgan Riley and Luke Shen be the option? I would never would have thought well, that in a million years that that would be the option. But they've been the best pair so far in the playoffs, Pierre. Mm-hmm. So maybe they got to go that direction. That is the conversation Toronto's having. What the hell are we doing it, when it, these guys get out the ice? Because we had no answer all game long for Kachuk and Bennett's line. Literally, MJ, we were talking. Chris Johnson and I were talking about that during the game last night in the press box. You know, the Leafs are now four and three in these playoffs. Obviously, huge moment for them over the weekend, finally getting out of the first round. But they're four and three, and the only reliable D pairing, frankly, has been Luke Shen and Morgan Riley for them. You know, no, nothing else has really clicked in those seven games on a consistent basis, and that's a problem. Uh, you know, in particular, TJ Brody has been a really reliable guy for them the last couple of years since coming over from Calgary. And that's not been the version of him that we've seen. I don't want to pick on him because I think Giordano is probably, you know, struggling even more. But uh, McCabe's up and down. Um, you know, Luke Shen has been unbelievable, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, you kind of wondered where he was going to fit into this lineup when they picked yeah, him up because they up. have so many buys. Luke Shen has been so good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, his outlet passes coming out of the zone. Uh, he's he's just that trade has already paid for itself. No matter what happens the rest of the way for for the Leafs, given how little. Yeah, but what do you do, Pierre? But what do you? Well, do I know you, you can't survive like, on one pairing. To your point, no question. I right? Mean, is I mean, is it Gervano out? Gustafson in? Is yeah. it Hall back in for some defensive size? Not super physical. Like they got to find other options. Is it Matthews yeah. going up against them? Like, do you want to waste your best player, Matthews, offensively, who's rolling against, you know, assigning him a really tough defensive matchup? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it can't be Tavares in his group. Like, you know, I don't think that's something you want to go for. Ryan O'Reilly, I suppose, would be the reason you brought him in would be to be able to play against a group like Bennett and Kachuk. You know, sturdy, yeah. steady, heavy Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari. But they have to figure it out because um, – it's 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 one way traffic right now when when or at least in the first game it was, and, and and I think too that you have to give the Panthers credit for one more thing is that you know I know some people have referred to them as a two line team you know Barkov and, and then Bennett's line but I I thought Reinhardt and Lundell had some pretty good moments mm-hmm. in game one and mm-hmm. and in the Boston series so uh, you know uh, again to to me it's more the Panthers blue line that the Leafs have to try and, and expose as opposed to thinking that they're going to overwhelm the Ford matchup. So I think the Panthers can hang in there Ford wise with the Leafs, but, but you know, Leafs didn't spend enough time in Florida's own five on five last night. That's the bottom line. Leafs go on a run. The, the, the challenge ahead, with that, Chuggy, sorry, is, is that like, you don't have, you don't spend time on the offense because you can't get it. You know, I, I don't, right. like, I think the problem for the Leafs is defensively, like, cause they just don't get it enough. It's not that they can't do mm-hmm. things with it when they have it. They just don't have it enough. Mm-hmm. And that's a function of mm-hmm. their inability to take it off of Florida as opposed to their inability to create versus Flo- versus the, the defense. And, and ironically, I, I would say that that's what plagued Florida. Sorry, Ryan, you got to jump in here. But that's what plagued Florida much of their year. One of the reasons they barely made the playoffs is the Panthers have lots of offense, but they were stuck on their own end a lot this year during the regular mm-hmm. season. And they figured out now a recipe so far in these playoffs. Leafs go on a run of 6 for 17 over four games on the power play. They're 0 for 8 um, in their last three games here. Johnny, what are you seeing? Uh, what are you seeing on the power play? 
Um, a little bit of the cyclical nature of it, unless you're Edmonton. Um, <laughs> you know, this is how it goes. Like, I watched the first two power plays last night's game, and Toronto did a lot of good things. A lot of pucks around the crease, a lot of pucks in the slot, tips in front, shots, releases from guys they want to have it. They didn't score. That's how it goes sometimes. Like, that's just how it goes. Um, again, unless you're Edmonton. So I, I don't think I've seen anything that's overly concerning. You know, they took first power play. They were shading high on Matthews, understandably. So they start working the goal line. They put Matthews in the bumper. He gets a great look on the, you know, in the slot in the, in the second period. Like, you know, they need them to score for sure. We can look at the power play numbers in pl- previous playoff failures. It's been a real issue. But I look at last night's game, and, and, and Tampa's a very good penalty-killing <clears throat> team as well, especially with the, uh, the first unit out there. Um, I, I'm not, like, I didn't feel like the Panthers locked down the, the, the power play. It's like they kind of survived and didn't get scored against, but it wasn't, you know, systemically any issue I saw Pierre for the power play in Toronto. No, that, that's not a headline for me from last night. They got a lot of great A's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on those power plays. Now they need to finish them, but sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Like they got some serious looks would have changed the game for sure. Had they connected early on one of those power plays probably, but. Uh, you know, let's give credit to the guy I wrote about, <laughs> Sergey Bobrovsky, <laughs> turning back time last night, and uh, which we saw a bit in Game Seven in Boston and Game Five in Boston. I don't, as I wrote, I don't know how sustainable it is and and what we're seeing here now that he's back in net for Alex Lyon. But you used the word humility. Else. I think I saw him. Was it was that part of? Well, because he refused to. Yeah. You know, he, he did a great post game scrum with a bunch of us. Super well-spoken guy, as, as you guys probably know, and he just refused to take any credit for anything that's going on right now. He said his defenders cleared the puck well for him last night. He said Alex Lyon saved their season. Uh, you know, I asked him about, you know, you're in this 2019 upset with Columbus over 62 win Tampa. You're you you wrap up the series upset over Boston, 65 wins what's up with you showing up for these, you know, he goes, Oh, I'm just lucky to be there. Anyone could be in that spot. Like he refuses to take any credit. It was really, mm. you know, it's really something to behold to see how humble that guy is. And I think he's been humble because he's not lived up to his $10 million salary in Florida. He's had some really tough moments, but I tell you, Bill Zito told me this the GM of the Panthers. Sergei Bobrovsky was Alex Lyon's biggest supporter during that run where he didn't have the net. And Alex Lyon told me the same thing last night. He goes, what a guy. Hmm. Like everyday advice from Bobrovsky and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like absolute supporter of Alex Lyon. Hmm. Think about that. You know, that's a gut punch. You make $10 million and the guy who was number three in the organization, goalie-wise, is saving your team season. But his his attitude was spectacular and, and the two guys have become close. Pretty neat story, actually, for Florida. Hmm. To think that... Paul Maurice was messing with people by taking <coughs> Alex Lyon off the morning skate first. <laughs> yeah. Like somehow he might play. Coaches. Come on, Mo, you're better than that. Oh, now, coaches. What do we think of coaches? What do you think about this one? The old I was, shoulder you cross. About that. Yeah. Did you see this? You one? So after that. the last penalty, oh yeah, called against Sam Bennett. Paul Maurice put up five hand fingers against one shoulder and one against the other. I guess indicating the, the penalty count. Now two of them were high sticks and there were trips. Like there were calls that had to be made. Uh, so I don't know. And then he comes out and just says, oh, we acknowledge we're not going to get the same number of power plays as the, the team we're playing against. It's, it's at all 
reeks a little bit to me, given the nature of the penalties. They're, they're high sticks. The guy's cut, bleeding. Like, what, do you not expect the call yeah. goal against your team? He's got the uh, magic yeah. touch, though, to Johnny. Me. He's got the magic touch yeah. this year, right? He was the big speech guy uh, that turned the whole thing around. Well, he's... yeah, the snap show on the bench in <laughs> yeah. Toronto that helped turn things around. Although, Matt Kachuk's dad, Keith, will take some credit because he went on Toronto That's Radio true. the next day and blasted wow. the team as well. Soft. And they, they needed sort to be more like Call them soft. <laughs> yeah, more like Ottawa. They need more Brady on their team, which they probably – everyone could. Yeah. But um, so, interesting stuff but for me. Also point, worth noting, was, just yeah. real quick, do you remember in overtime against Boston, early on, Pasternak beat Bobrovsky with a shot and hit the, no- the, the knob of his stick? Yeah. Start the game last night, minute in, Austin Matthews on a breakaway. <clears throat> Austin Matthews. Of, right. Yeah. Beats Bobrovsky, gets the shaft of his stick and turns aside. Like, that is – a lucky yeah. twig or whatever, because like that, those are two that obviously it's one season's over. If the Leafs score a minute in, you know, does that change the complexion of the game? As good well? guy it's karma. Interesting. Yeah, apparently, good guy <laughs> karma is coming through for him. Humility, like, and again, we, this has just been about you know seven to ten days of of vintage Bobrovsky. I don't know how sustainable it is or not. I I, I know nothing about NHL goaltending, but <laughs> you can imagine that if somehow Bobrovsky. Like, this is a comparison I made last night, Like, and maybe it's not a great one, but Carey Price, late career Carey Price, I think we can agree, was uneven in his regular season performances, right? It was sort of up and down, and some of it was health-related, but if this team happened to make the playoffs, then then there was a glitter in Carey Price's eye, right? He he he, he enjoyed the money games. Yeah. That, that, was, that became the late career version of Carey. I'm just wondering if we're seeing this, because Robofsky last year, by the way, in the playoffs, as a 9-11 save percentage, wasn't his fault. They got swept by Tampa. They had no run support. Um, I just wonder if he's that guy now. And for ten million dollars, you should be that guy mm-hmm. all year. I get it. But what if this is what gets this guy going? And 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 you know, we're supposed to lose to Boston. We're supposed to lose to the Leafs. All I can tell you is that is he, if he can maintain this. And again, I, I, I'm dubious. I don't know if he can. But if vintage Bob is back for another few weeks, how does that change this series? No? He's got the ability. There's a, a lot. there's a reason he got oh, the yeah. contract he did. It's in there somewhere. Just uh, seeing if he can bring it out consistently yeah. at a key time. Okay, we got to move over to the West, guys. I'm here in beautiful Las Vegas, California, uh, where, like uh, <laughs> where tonight uh, Oilers in Vegas uh, get going. Elson Gundo, Nevada. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, Johnny, would you play Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on a line to start this series? Because let's. And just quick background here, they played the bulk of the regular season on separate lines, including three of the four games against Vegas, they were on separate lines, had lots of success, but in the first round, that's how they got by LA, was putting those two together. So my question, do you revert back to what worked for you for most of the regular season and use that as your starting point, or do you keep rolling with what worked and got you through LA? Well, I'd ask you this before I answer my question. Remember last year in the playoffs when they put Drysaddle and McDavid together because Drysaddle was hobbled because he couldn't skate. How healthy is Connor McDavid? Oh. Your stealth footage from last week with him flexing his leg and you know clearly dealing with something likely to do with that sort of knee-on-knee hit that he took in the neutral zone from Doughty. Um, like, does maybe do they want Drysaddle, who's healthy now, to support McDavid the way McDavid supported Drysaddle last I year? I think so. If that's the case, then I understand putting them together. Then I get it. Otherwise, if they're both healthy, I absolutely split them apart to start the series because Vegas is not the same sort of defensive scheme 
as L.A. Like, I think Connor McDavid will have more ability to play a, a, a normal game against Vegas. I'll be a good defensive team, but they don't have that neutral zone quite the same way that L.A. does. So um, I would start them apart and know that I can go back to it unless McDavid's not quite 100%. And that's up to you to tell me you're there in Vegas. Like, if he's not quite right, then maybe he he, he gets dry settled to start the series. I think I think it's a debate without a clear answer, which I don't think would have been my answer a year or two ago. The Oilers' depth has improved so dramatically in terms of getting contributions elsewhere that now you can do this and not think that you're that top-heavy. I can't believe I'm saying that because mm. they're two of the best players. The, the best player in the world and the other one's top five. But you look at who has contributed elsewhere during these playoffs and in the regular season, right, Ryan? And and I think you can do this and not feel that you're shortchanging yourself. And And that was not the case a couple years ago. You know, when Dave Tippett did this, it's because he just needed a goal, and this was it. This was the one option. They was going to do this, and, and they needed a goal. That's not the case now. So to me, it's not, you know, I don't think there's a clear answer. I think you can live with both scenarios because you've lengthened your lineup and you've gotten offense elsewhere. And by the way, by the time people see this podcast, uh, the orders may have had their morning skate, and they will likely are a full skate, so they'll show lines. But what they show at morning skate today doesn't matter because Jay Woodcroft is not above throwing misdirection out at morning skate. So I think they're going to skate together at morning skate this morning. But what they come out the gate with tonight, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. There was another stealth video of Mark Stone coming out of the Vegas media. Mm. Guys, as a guy who has tried to play a little bit of hockey with a back that was not happy, watching him skate off the ice like that, how tentative and yeah, that, like that did not look good, Johnny. You know, and, and trying to play playoff Sha- hockey with a shaky back. Yikes. And in, this is a guy who's had multiple back procedures. He's missed tons of time. He came back to play in the playoffs. Was great in the first round. He changes their team. Because when oh. he's healthy and right, well, there you're inserting one of the best defensive wingers, two-way wingers in the league. He's playing with Chandler Stevenson on the third line. An all-star this year in Chandler Stevenson. And a real you know high-end player in, in Mark Stone. And if it was me and I'm Vegas, and he's healthy, that's the duo that probably plays against McDavid. Because mm-hmm. Stevenson mm-hmm. can really scoot. Stone is really strong and great on the puck. And like that's who's probably going to go. You're not going to ask Jack Eichel to do it. you got William Carlson who could still do it. But you're probably going to put that on Stevenson and Stone. And if he's not right, he's a glue guy that makes everybody around him so much better. Like that's – like Edmund's already the favorite in the series, but that's enough to swing it pretty significantly in my in Edmonton's corner if he can't play or he can't play at the level he played in the first round. Yeah, I hated seeing that video. It's, um, you know, hopefully it's one of those things, you know, sometimes the back is so unpredictable, right, guys, that he wakes up today and and he feels fine. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. But uh, you, want, you want all these teams, we're down to eight teams, to have their full complement, right? I mean, it's been a tough year. Like, like I still I think about Colorado being knocked out and their captain Gabe Landeskog not playing a single shift this year. You know, I hate seeing that for teams. And um, you know, Mark Stone's gone through a lot. I, you know, hopefully, hopefully that was a scare, nothing else. Well, I guess we'll find yeah. out today. Johnny, prediction on this series, my man, Mystic Mike, Edmonton in six. I mean, I think um, you know that the strength of their offense, as long as their goaltending hangs in there. Mm-hmm. And 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 Brossois, I think, has sort of answered that question. He played really well in the first round. Skinner was slightly uneven. The fact that Jack Campbell had to play, that's the one sort of question mark. But I think Edmonton 
finds their way through in six. P, I know you're not Pierre? a prediction machine, P. What do you got? Well, you forced me into predictions in the first yeah, round. The I, reluctant I prognosticator, you, I, hey? How did we do I it? You, like, hang on. How did we do in the first round? All, like, I was six oh, of eight, I and I missed remember. Boston and Colorado. So I think you know, I went five and ones. three. I think yeah. I went five and three. But I'm just happy that my Stanley Cup final prediction survived the first round in Edmonton Toronto. Right. I'm <laughs> I worried I for a bit it. early in each series there. I, right. feel, I feel like uh, one of the two of them is going to make it. I'm not sure which one, but I think we're going to have a Canadian team in the Cup final this year. I just say uh, this is this this would be the uh, You're going to make a prediction? I, I'm taking the Oilers over Vegas. Yeah. I'm taking Dallas to come back on Seattle. I'm taking the Leafs to survive. I him. think a closer than expected series Running against the table. Florida. Yeah. And um, Jersey? Carolina? Boy, that one is a struggle for me. A Carolina team that grinds in has been the so through so many playoff games against the young Devils, but boy, they were impressive in game seven against the Rangers. I thought the Rangers were gonna win game seven. I was wrong. Um you know what? He's got his tap dancing gonna, shoes on. Take, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the doubles. I don't think the Hurricanes have enough offense, but especially you know, Sashnikov right. and Patrick Reagan gone. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna I cost like them it. in this series. All right, the Shaggy, what do you in. got? Um, what, yeah, what do you so have? I, I got the oil. Uh, I'm going to say five, though, and that's no disrespect to Vegas. I just think the oil are going at a good clip right now. Um, you know what? I'm going to say Seattle. I know it's easy the, the morning after. Um, to you know, they've they've got the lead in the series, so maybe that's a bit of a convenient one. Uh, I like what Jersey's got going on. That's going to be a spectacular series, speed wise, to watch. And uh, I'll take mm-hmm. I'll take Toronto to come back on uh, on Florida. So that's me. All right, not I got Toronto, Dallas, Edmonton, and I got Jersey. I'm swapping away from right. Carolina with their injuries. They didn't love how they oh, played. We the got first the same four, MJ. That can't be good. Well, <laughs> no, it's, I feel terrible as you're going running through them. I'm like, please change your mind because I I don't <laughs> want any no part fun. of matching up. You with were you. hoping I was going to say Carolina yeah. there, were you? Okay. I 100 was. Yes. That was a breakdown, boys. Thanks. We got one more segment. We've got to get too quick here. Uh, that's going to be, you know what? We're going to name it on the fly three questions, courtesy the evil brain of the quiz master, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. They use leading edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home's your castle. Protect it. With Liberty Smart Security. So from the brain of the quiz master, three questions. We only got like six or seven minutes here, so we'll kind of roll through them. Um, Best player in the playoffs slash leading candidate for the con Smite. Matthew Kachuk, 14 points in, uh, and points in seven of eight games. Or Leon Dreisaitl, 6-7-4 for 11 and points in six of six games. Or another candidate that I'm not mentioning. Johnny, you go first. Uh, I'm going with Matthew Kachuk. Um, I, I just think what he's done with that team, um, not doing it quite as much on the power play, um, just the physical nature of it without a McDavid beside him. Leon's right there historically, I know, but Matthew Kachuk right now. And he also took out, let's let's be fair, he, he was the leading reason they took out Boston, yeah. the best team. So I think it's got to be Matthew Kachuk. I'm going to go Leon Dreisaitl because I think that individually Connor McDavid had his mitts full with Philip Deneau. And uh, even though McDavid had some terrific moments, I think Leon had to kind of save the day at, in, for a lot of that series. Ryan, mm-hmm. you can correct me, but, but you know, that I, I feel that was pretty huge in, in turning that series around against LA. Kachuk's been unbelievable for sure. It, just a consolation name. 
Um, and I wouldn't put him on the same level as those two names, but a guy that I think you have to mention for how his playoffs have got Morgan Riley, the longest serving Leaf, who has been maligned at times, um, has been outstanding for the Toronto Maple Leafs in these playoffs. Yep. A lot of clutch moments and, um, you know, kind of an uneven regular season, but playing outstanding playoff hockey. Next question, which celebrity would the NHL be better served as the new face of the Ottawa mm. Senators, Ryan Reynolds or <laughs> Snoop Dogg? Pierre, I'll let you start on this one, uh, but we got to let Zuby know behind the scenes we can hear you, buddy. You're, I don't know if your mic clicked on yeah. or something. You're coughing and hacking and sneezing and typing away oh, there. I thought that was in my head. <laughs> Get the old mute button going yeah. there, Zubes. Uh, Pierre, which celebrity would be better served? Who would be the better celebrity for the Pottawa Senators? Oh, sorry, the Ottawa oh, Senators. Uh-huh. Uh, got to go with the Canadian guy. I love Snoop, but you got to go with the Canadian guy, Ryan Reynolds, right? Marketing yeah. genius. Well, yeah. I think that's it. It's not about the strength of the celebrity. Snoop Dogg is an incredibly powerful presence, media, Q factor. But Ryan Reynolds, as far as the sports thing goes, we've seen what he's done with Wrexham. Yep. And I, I feel like... He would be more invested specifically in Ottawa than Snoop, who might be involved in all of his endeavors. Uh, so I think, yeah, Ryan Reynolds would I mean, be the guy. Now, the fact that both guys want it, Pierre, is a great time for the league, but I think it's yeah. got to be uh, Reynolds. Snoop Dogg's brand power is unbelievable, though. Like he, sure, he, he, he's the most. Is he not the most sought after pitchman of? Any company, I mean, I want to drink Corona just because of him. But <laughs> between him and Kevin uh, Hart, yeah. who you knew, who knew? Yeah. And there is the yeah. idea. There is an element of like a, a a fan base of maybe a demographic of Snoop Dogs that the NHL could appeal to that might open up mm. new yeah. gateways of revenue. But I, I do just think the singular power and focus of Reynolds and that PR machine he runs Unreal. in his life would again, be perfect the, for Ottawa. The, the, and the chase for the Senators are Ryan. Remember, this is a team that no one wanted to buy a couple of decades ago, and, and uh, Eugene Melnick had to save the day at the time. Owning a sports franchise has never become more popular in every sport in every country in the world. Like It's a vehicle now for content, for marketing, for branding, for multi-layered tentacles in the business world. People are tripping over themselves to own a sports team right now, and we don't have time to get into it, but it's fascinating to me the money being spent uh, mm-hmm. on NHL franchise. Okay, final question. It's, it's, it's is Jacob Trouba the best hitter? Yeah, cut him off already. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. filibustering the last five <laughs> minutes of the show here. Is Jacob Trouba the best hitter in the NHL since Scott Stevens? MJ. You mm. must have been in Stevens' train like tracks at be. some point. I did not get on that on, <laughs> on that, that trolley. Platform. Yeah. No, I stayed away. <laughs> I stayed away from those trolley tracks as much as mm. possible. Um yeah, I mean, it feels that way. And because, like, yes, there's a lot of gray area hits, but he doesn't really get in trouble for doing them. And he's very good at standing up. And that hit against Meyer was as heavy a hit as I can remember seeing. And by the rules, oh. completely clean. Textbook clean by the rules. So I'm going to say, yeah, Truba. And there's maybe like two guys in the league you got to know he's on the ice. Truba's one yeah. of them. Yeah, I think he's unmatched right now. He's playing, uh, he's, you know, Players just aren't anticipating that kind of play anymore in today's game. I'm not blaming. Well, Timo they Meyer should. Like, but you just. I'm blaming him. Man, Get your head yeah, up. You're skating okay. right through yeah. the middle of the ice, yeah. staring uh, at the puck. No, what do you expect's no. going to happen? There are guys that can hit maybe as hard, but just don't do it regularly. Like Jacob Truba is, yeah. is the answer. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, guys, great job today. Quick red card, yellow card, no card. Before we go, you're on the road 
in fairness, it is a work trip. Your wife comes with mm-hmm. you. It's her birthday. Mm-hmm. You wake up in the morning. So focused <laughs> on your work. Not only do you forget to wish her a happy birthday, you subtly mm-hmm. suggest that, boy, I could really use some coffee. Which sends mm-hmm. her out of the room downstairs to get coffee. How bad is this going to be, guys? That me? is a red card. <laughs> it's a red card for getting the initial happy birthday. What turns uh, it into an, exe- an ejection and possible suspension <laughs> is that she showed up with coffee for you before you said anything to it. That is ejection. We might be a historical length suspension for that behavior. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's a Rafi Torres playoff suspension. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Throw the book out of the rest of the playoffs. Oh man. Well, listen, uh, prize hunt. I got tickets to Penn and Teller tomorrow night. So that's your birthday present. Uh, Penn and Teller. Where's Adele? Get off. Come on. It's a, it's going to be Adele now. Oh man. Uh, well guys, I was a mess today. Not knowing where I am, forgetting my wife's birthday. You guys carried us today. Thanks boys. Appreciate it. We'll chat again next week. Thanks for your downloads and your subscriptions. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. And of course to our sponsors, cross country, Canada supplies and rentals. Kuma Outdoor Gear, and Liberty Smart Security. We'll check in next week from, you know, wherever the heck we all are. Have a great day, folks. Cheers. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.